0: Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Barry, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening?
1: Well, I would like to, because there may be a lot of American uh, viewers and listeners, and I'm a Canadian, I'm a Canuck. And uh, so my background, just in a nutshell, and with your uh, agreement, I'll go more into my background because it helps to explain, uh, in a way, why I'm a 9-11 truther. Uh, But I I, uh, was in journalism uh, for years, Uh, I was with the two major Canadian newspapers, the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star. And I also worked in Michigan for the Detroit News and the Flint Daily Journal, the Lansing State Journal. I had a fellowship at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And um, when 9-11 came along, that's when uh, my life changed in a way, not entirely, but it changed in a way for the better. Uh, because I was already a media critic on Vision TV in Canada, a channel I was with from the beginning when it was launched in September 1988, and uh, when when uh, 9/11 happened, uh, I became and I, I'm I'm not boasting, but in in a way I, I'm happy to say this because it's factual that at Vision TV, I was the first television journalist in the world to seriously question the official narrative of 9-11. And uh, I did it in a series of six broadcasts that started in early January of 2002. And uh, as a matter of fact, I can show you that the channel put out my commentaries uh, with this VHS tape at the time, and uh, they were they were very good about it. Later, uh, you mentioned my book, Towers of Deception, and uh, in Towers of Deception, uh, this DVD that I did, the Great Conspiracy, uh, was included in a pocket in the back cover. You might have seen that. so that's that's me. I've been a journalist, um, and uh, and I'm a proud 9-11 truther, and that's it in a nutshell. So what do you believe
0: happened um, on 9-11, and what questions were the first ones that kind of raised the flags for you that you felt like you had to speak out about? I mean, it's not crazy conspiracy to say that somebody in our government might have had something go on or do something that they should be held responsible for. Uh, that's not you know our government makes mistakes all the time. Now whether those mistakes were intended for a reason is a really big issue. But false flags have been throughout history, from JFK to Watergate.
1: You are absolutely right. I couldn't agree more, Robbie. And and so uh to just take it right from the day of nine eleven, um, the I was I, I I'll be I said it going to be personal. So so on the day of 9-11 a neighbor of ours uh, said across the back fence to my wife, Jeannie, <clears throat> I think there's something going on in New York that would interest you. So we went into our living room and uh, turned on the TV. And we were joined by uh, uh, a guy who's rem- who was a friend. Uh, he was half of the couple that rented our basement apartment For five years, they became very dear friends. They're friends to this day of me uh, and, and my wife passed away in 2019 and my son and so on. And so we were sitting there in the living room and we're watching a tower come down. And I'm jumping up and down and saying, come on, U.S. Air Force, come on, U.S. Air Force, because, you know, these these planes. Uh, piloted by terrorists, allegedly, were flying all over Hell's Half Acre. And and Jeannie said, Barry, you know, calm down. I said, no, this is impossible. The U.S. Air Force is well known for responding in minutes to any threat. And this is a huge threat. So then I I did calm down. And then I thought, wait a minute. And I said, and the, the neighbor, Ken Carnero, will will back this up to this day i said this is a false flag repeat of the reichstag fire which you know is where where hitler masterminded the burning down of the german parliament the reichstag in 1938 or 1933 actually it helped him Hitler vault to power. And I knew I knew that background and I said this is a Reichstag fire 2001. And that was before noon on the day. But what what alerted me to it is this. And I I will go into my background a bit, you know, to explain how did I become uh uh not a conspiracy theorist like you? I really find that term offensive and actually a propaganda phrase in and of itself.
0: It's a quick way to get people to shut off from the conversation.
1: Oh, I've seen it happen a hundred times. Yeah. So so anyway, the reason that I was able to identify the events of 9-11 as a false flag operation, in other words, an inside job done by the U.S. government or elements within it, uh it was because of this i knew from my upbringing about the rice tag fire my dad was a clergyman a united church of canada minister and he was very he was actually political he almost lost a pulpit because in the 30s he was preaching against Hitler from the pulpit. He was more more political than he was religious. He's very much a New Testament, small-l liberal uh, Protestant. And, And so I was influenced, of course, by him, and I treasure my upbringing by my father and mother to this day. And so... I knew what a false flag operation was. I knew what the Rice Stag Fire had that that it was one. And then, as I was growing up, and this is in northern Manitoba, in Canada, I got very interested in airplanes. And uh, as a matter of fact, my interest went back to when I was about four or five years old, believe it or not. And we lived in Port Hood uh, on Cape Breton Island, and. The Hindenburg, this gigantic German airship with a big swastika on its tail, as you know, went right over Port Hood. It was absolutely memorable. Those airships, by the way, you know, they sometimes flew at an altitude of 75 feet. So it was huge. And I could hear the motors thrumming. Well, that very night, it crashed and burned in New Jersey. So I was connected to, to history in that way, but I was connected to aviation in that way. And then in the Second World War, when we moved to the Annapolis Valley, and I watched the, the uh, Hudson Bombers and the Catalina flying boats, you know, and the Lysanders, the high wing Lysanders, and so on, flying out of the Air, the Royal Canadian Air Force Base in Greenwood, Nova Scotia. And I just became fascinated with aviation. And I continued it. I joined the Royal Canadian Air Cadets and became a flight sergeant, to give you an idea. And all my life, I've always looked up at airplanes when they're in the sky. So that is why on the day of 9-11, when the U.S. Air Force didn't show up, this long interest in and a bit of knowledge about aviation absolutely was the tip-off to me that something stank to high heaven that this was extremely fishy that the u.s air force didn't show up and we learned later that uh that uh that uh fighters from otis air force base were sent out over the Atlantic to do lazy figure eights, you know, while the so-called attacks on uh, New York were taking place. And so that that was why before noon on 9-11, I said, this is a Reichstag fire, 2001. And then I, a short time later, uh, because uh, there was a nascent, 9-11 Truth Movement immediately after the events. And one of the, uh, one of the events was at Toronto City Hall. Actually, the council chamber was rented. And that's where I met some dear friends to this day. And I said publicly that I'm going to devote the rest of my life to the, finding out the truth about 9-11. And I have a bit of guilt about that because I didn't tell my wife that I was going to go on a public podium and say that, but truth be told, I didn't really plan to say it. I I, I said it in the moment, and and I uh, and and so uh, but you know my life changed. I started to do huge amounts of nine eleven truth work, uh, such as putting out the. Uh, putting out the six part series that I did on Vision TV, which which made me the first journalist in the world to seriously question the official story of 9-11. And and subsequently a DVD that I did, and then the book that I wrote, which you've read, Towers of Deception. And I put on a six day international inquiry into 9-11 in 2004 and that was a hell of a lot of work and uh i've just continued with this not at that pace or to that extent since but i'm happy to be here uh this is really where i'd rather be on the 22nd anniversary of 9 11 is on your podcast because of you know what i've learned very belatedly about your podcast and and the way that the guests that you have and the way you conduct it, and uh, so that—that that was my introduction to nine eleven. And after that, uh, it would bore your viewers <laughs> for me to say much more.
0: I have to ask about the nine eleven truther movement. I mean, do you find that a lot of people are on board or supporting, kind of looking for truth at nine eleven? I mean, does every like ever? When it comes to the Kennedy assassination, it's so far in the past. That it's hard for people to get on board with it. They just roll their eyes as it's a conspiracy. But the 9-11 one is still fresh. I mean, I think I was four years old, maybe three years old when it happened. So, I mean, it impacted my family, impacted I, I think everyone that was old enough to be able to turn on the television and really watch the events that were unfolding. But you can't easily roll your eyes at it being like when someone says it's a conspiracy or it's this or it's that. It does land in territories that I do not agree with, which is like that the buildings were holograms. I think that's horrible um, that someone would say that. But there is real questions that deserve answers and haven't been given answers. Um, Certain situations and certain people that should be pointed to blame like Bush and others. So when it comes to the support or when you speak out about being a 9-11 truther do you receive positive or an understanding from people Do they listen or do you like what what happened to your career with just speaking out about
1: 9-11 well you know what i've been lucky because my career has uh not been i i haven't suffered personally every once in a while Use somebody you know, says, well, they roll their eyes and say, well, you're just a conspiracy theorist. But actually, I've encountered very little of that. I, I'm lucky that I have a good uh, profile in Canada. And after I started doing the 9-11 truth work, the leading columnist in the Toronto Star, which was and remains the largest circulation newspaper in Canada, Michelle Landsberg, she wrote two columns about me and she said that uh she she praised my television presence and said if if Barry's wickers suspicious of the official narrative of 911 count me in too you know and she received a huge amount of mail so much so that it was kind of bothersome to her editors and her family but but i've i i have this this uh Fairly good reputation because of the other work that I've done journalistically as the education editor of the Globe and Mail, and then the head of the Education Bureau at the Toronto Star, and, and the other work. So, but talking about the 9 11 truth movement, there are the 9 11 truth movement, like any, uh, like any, uh, say, left wing or progressive or questioning movement that questions power is be, became infiltrated and remains infiltrated by agents of the state. I mean, it's open and shut. It's something like, uh, there's a sort of a parallel, I guess, with communists who used to actually exist in the United States and Canada. There was a Communist Party of the USA, Communist Party of Canada. And and, uh, in the USA, I remember reading one time that the number of members of the Communist Party of the USA, that were actually FBI FBI agents, was larger than the number of legitimate members. And so it it doesn't surprise me a bit uh, that our movement, the 9-11 Truth Movement, has been infiltrated. and And I've never gotten into a bad knockdown argument with any of them. I don't engage in that. But I can see them. I can see what they do. I'll give you one example. There's a teleconference. It was started off being called the 9-11 Truth Teleconference. And it goes back, I don't know how many years, like five or seven or whatever, maybe longer. It got renamed. The 9-11 Truth and State Crimes Against Democracy teleconference. It's a you know a long title, but I think it was legitimate to expand the view a bit beyond the truth about 9-11 as far as we can apprehend it, and larger crimes against democracy. And so On the teleconference, and I do have hearing problems. I got hearing aids in right now. And uh, I I have to, you know, live with that the best I can. But the number of technical problems that has arisen on those telephone conferences of 9-11 truth and state crimes against democracy teleconference the number of times that people's words have been garbled and that strange noises and banging come about the very latest one there was this constant banging and the host said you know who who, is someone online that's banging something and uh this is disruption. This is disruption you would expect from the FBI, the CIA, and whatever, and and uh, because this disruption is is their main product, right? <laughs> That's their raison d'etre is to is to interfere as it as it has with all regimes all over the world. If I may wildly generalize, that when there's a movement to call power to account or to resist power to question power uh, that is when the authorities of whatever government it is can be everything from a a ostensible democratic government right through to completely authoritarian you know military dictatorship like pinochet or whatever always 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 they do everything they can to disrupt questioning and disrupt resistance. And of course, with Pinochet, they killed people. And I was shocked uh, to read, and I think it was in the New York Times Weekend Supplement this past Sunday, just yesterday, I think that's where I saw it, that the resurgence of the right wing uh, in Argentina has been quite noticeable. And there are people who look back on the Pinochet what was it? 18 years of di- of military dictatorship when people got disappeared and they were killed by the thousands and 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 something like I can't I'm very poor at my arithmetic but something like you know 38 percent or something of Chileans uh, say yeah well maybe we need a dictatorship again you know people never seem to learn and so when when the 9/11 truth movement has been infiltrated. And it hasn't come asunder because of it, because those of us who suspect this, uh, we don't engage ourselves in fights that will guarantee that it comes asunder. But but that's a reality.
0: Can I ask why why some of the 9-11 truther accounts vary? Like it seems like if you look into the nine eleven and you look at the more conspiratorial stuff, the accounts vary wildly. Do you think that's deception from the American government to put that in there? Like some people believe stuff like – it's just like with the JFK stuff. Some people say Jack Ruby didn't shoot Oswald where I'm just like, all right, all right, what are we talking about? And you kind of have to take a step back and be like, is this a person that really believes this or is this a person that is – maybe given information to distribute, to really confuse the situation. I mean, look at our media people that were covering 9-11 that day. Did anybody do their job correctly on the big screen news, that, the letter networks? Did anybody do it right? Are they getting feedback from somewhere? Every time a documentary comes out that's the official narrative, you're telling me that there's no other people out there that'd be willing to speak something different than the official narrative? So you start looking at like what's been kind of tampered with or messed with by the state and – I'm curious, when it comes to some of the stuff you look into, if you type in 9-11 conspiracy and all this, there's a lot out there. What would you consider credible and what would you consider not credible?
1: Well, first of all, there are very few people in the 9-11 truth movement. When I was on my book tour uh, for Towers of Deception, you know, I met a lot. I used to travel to the States Every once in a while, to New York, San Francisco, and so on, and uh, so and and of course, I've been in touch with email, uh, uh, by email with with truthers, and and uh, some of them have become close friends. And there's no question about their authenticity, no question at all. But then there are these others. There's two main ways I would say that the 9-11 truth movement has been impacted and one of them is not outlandish theories really one is that it started to be conflated with those who claimed
0: okay uh that's a youtube thing don't do that one
1: yeah so that that is one thing the second thing is that the infiltration and I will not name names, it would not be helpful um, that there are some of the leaders, shall we say, uh, who, if you look closely at what they're saying, they are undermining the 9-11 truth movement. And quite specifically, I'll come to this, they claim This, these are leaders that a plane actually hit the Pentagon.
0: I see. I don't believe that one. And it's like. It didn't happen. It's (laughs) see the, the you, you are absolutely right, Robbie. Well, they showed one angle from a parking garage or something. I'm like, you're telling me there's not any other cameras around the Pentagon that could catch a view of what the hell was going on or what hit that thing. And to me, it looked not like a 747 or whatever the hell they were saying it was.
1: Well, uh, uh, you know, like right from the beginning, you know, sometimes we can trust our gut instincts, you know? And for instance, right from the beginning, you've probably seen the picture of, of this Boeing 707 or whatever was the make and model uh, in front of the Pentagon. It Like the, the picture of the plane was overlaid in, in the real uh, size that it is. In front of the Pentagon and there's no way that uh, that particular model and make a plane could have gone into the Pentagon without making a silhouette of an airplane, right? You've got engines that weigh 14 tons and everything and the and the wings aren't exactly made of balsa wood and the, the, the hole in the Pentagon doesn't resemble the silhouette that that kind of plane going in would make. Secondly, they never took any any wreckage out of the Pentagon right you never saw them come out with truckloads of engines and whatnot it's just so obviously a lie that 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 flight 77 hit the Pentagon right same with same with the uh, Pennsylvania crash that <laughs> allegedly plane went in they've never dug out any wreckage I mean how can the public fall for such obvious untruths. It's 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 remarkable. It's because they're repeated and repeated and repeated is one thing. And the second thing is that, uh, regrettably, most people, uh, I, I would venture, don't engage in enough critical thinking. Rather than saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? Let's ask some questions. Let's ask more questions. Where's the wreckage in both of these cases? You know, uh, they, uh, a lot of people, well, they're busy, they're working, you know, they got family issues and so on. And, and you can't expect uh, people writ large to become researchers, but, and the media don't help. Because the mainstream media that I worked in for years on several really large issues and 9-11 is the leading one, I would say, they not only refuse to question, they refuse to investigate, or I should put those in reverse. They not only refuse to investigate the actual facts that can be uh, found, many of them, mountains of facts, but they don't even question. There's a rare exception, a rare exception a little a uh, fugitive paragraph here, a uh, little small opinion column there, but by and large, the mainstream media have bought the official narrative, hook, line, and sinker. And by the way, one of the things that I've always said when I do public speaking—I don't do much public speaking anymore—but uh, I, I, I say this, and and nobody has nobody has denied it because it's undeniable. Those three towers that fell on 9/11, each of them fell in less time than it takes a telephone to ring twice. Now, there's no way other than controlled demolition that these structures made of structural steel can fall that fast. So that the idea uh, that they were destroyed by some jet fuel, which is kerosene, weakening these gigantic girders to such that they would cause these buildings to fall right there you know right there uh, you you actually don't need to know a whole lot of other facts than that you don't need to know a whole lot other than looking at the photograph of the hole that flight 77 allegedly made in the pentagon and you don't have to look at video of the falling of the towers more than once or twice to realize that it was controlled demolition and by the way the the there were journalists who were questioning what became the official narrative on the morning of 9/11 there's a whole documentary about it you may remember that Dan Rather said on air you know the way these buildings fell looked a lot like controlled demolition
0: dan rather said that
1: Dan Rather said that. You can look it up.
0: I was about to say, because I know him from the Kennedy stuff, and I'm not his biggest fan because of what he said during the Kennedy stuff.
1: Well, I'm not a fan of Dan Rather either. Okay. But the thing is that that's what he said on air. And and I, I believe that, you know, you anybody can look up the clip if I'm wrong. Uh, then I always want to oh, i be-
0: I believe you. I just I, it, to me, Dan Rather saying that, I'm like, oh god, I didn't I don't know if he's somewhat conspiracy on certain things. It's kind of like Bugilosi was not a conspiracy theorist on JFK, but he was a conspiracy theorist on the RFK. It's like, what what what?
1: Uh, well, any anyway, anyway, the thing is, I believe that Dan rather uh, was was speaking extemporaneously and honestly about just what went through his mind when he saw. Yeah. The- these, these towers come down just like, a, you know, controlled demolition would do. But by the end of that day, this prepared propaganda campaign of an alternative story about the jet fuel and all that kind of stuff. There was that guy on a motorcycle. You know, saying, well, I witnessed, you know, he 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 was obviously speaking from a script. And um, so then it's solidified by the end of the day of 911. The official and all the official, you know, all the officials of government were all saying the same thing: it's Al Qaeda and it's Osama bin Laden. It it was just a symphony of lies. By the end of the day, and that symphony of lies has continued playing to this day. When,
0: because maybe you can verify some claims for me, but were there people inside the towers that were trying to go down the stairwell and were told to go back? Have you ever heard of anything like that?
1: I don't I, I, you know, it, it's kind of rings a sort of a bell people on stairways not knowing what to do. And that could have happened. I would say that if it happened, uh, that it could be quite understandable. I mean, any of us in a fire situation like I live on the 19th floor of a high rise here in Toronto, I'm overlooking the city, beautiful view. And so beside every elevator, uh, you know, there are instructions in case of fire. So they're not 20 feet away from me. It says in case of fire, do not panic. (laughs) That's the number one thing. And then the second thing is go back to your apartment and then A a third thing, but it's not written down, but it's pretty well known by people, is to wet some bedclothes and put them uh, around your door so that smoke won't come in because you can die of smoke inhalation too. So there are different things that people are, it's recommended that people do in case of fire. And some people have made the mistake when a building is burning of going down a stairwell and they were just met with a flamethrower and they died that way so i would just say that that kind of thing would all fall within the realm of reasonable possibility and i wouldn't think that it was part of the official yeah the official conspiracy yeah. which is lies uh of various kinds
0: why do you think like how deep do you think this went like from higher obviously higher in the government but to get so many people to fall in line with the official story and it's like even if you try and question the official story if you're not a family member or someone that lost someone in there then you're sometimes received with hate you know like i've just been interested in like is this real is this real i've talked about i've read the commission report i mean it's it says a lot of nothing is what it says it's kind of like just looking at it it's kind of like what I just wasted 980 something pages like, you know, you could have saved that for something. But there's a lot of questions still like selling scrap metal within a week later of hindering an investigation, things that family members actually have serious questions about. But if I'm not connected to the 9-11 situation and I raise these questions, people come at you with a sense of hate. You know, they don't like that. But like there's some skeptics out there. I'm sure you've come across like Shermer and Mick West that try and debunk claims about 9-11 and the official story where I go, how deep does this go to just to protect a narrative? Like you have to be dumb in the head to not question some of these official story stuff because it just doesn't make sense. You'd have to do more mental gymnastics to make it fit.
1: Absolutely. And sh- you mentioned Shermer and, and man, I'm ticked off with that guy uh because he's ostensibly you know an intellectual who is for the truth and so on and it turns out that he's no better on 9-11 than noam chomsky is for instance you have to wonder about uh people who normally research their intellectual they they usually have their facts they've written books and everything and one and and you have to wonder how someone with that kind of profile and background could fall for such obviously fictitious stories and narratives and so i just leave it open that's at the end of of my chapter on noam chomsky in my book towers of deception I can't quote it exactly, but I say something like uh, his approach is worth battalions of soldiers on behalf of the government narrative. And that's I'm not quoting. I know.
0: What was it like interviewing him? I'm kind of a little bit jealous because his last name or his name just makes me Chuckle for some reason. I don't know why. Every time someone says it, it's like, uh, I don't know. Just, but uh, how'd you come across interviewing him? Why would you want to interview him? Did you think you could possibly kind of change his mind on some things?
1: He would. He wouldn't change his mind on on nine uh, eleven. He's just. He's just, you know, pathetic on nine eleven and uncharacteristic. Uncharacteristic. So his his uh, reputation and credit. He's done a lot of terrific work about bad government in Indonesia and so on, (laughs) right? And he's been very critical of the American establishment too. But how he could become more than tone deaf when 9-11 comes along is sort of a bit of a mystery uh i mean it's a suspicious mystery uh, because he just loses his investigative and his critical chops when it comes to 911 now he wrote a book uh about something about camelot
0: yeah the jfk stuff
1: yeah yeah uh, something about camelot and um and what caught caught my eye about chomsky i read that book I thought, wait a minute, a lot of what he's saying doesn't add up in this book. It was the first time that I realized he had feet of clay because initially I thought, whoa, he's a great hero of the left. You know, he's a great critic of the American empire and so on. That's the that's the persona. That's the character that he performs and that most people believe in. And therefore they believe him. But in in the Camelot book, uh, he his, his message was very scrambled, not good about JFK at all, uh, as you know, better than I, no doubt. Uh I mean he's he I forget where it was that he said, and you can probably come up with a quote, Robbie. He said basically that leaders don't matter you know that leaders don't matter and jfk could have been replaced by anybody off the street and be as good a president that kind of thing is what chomsky said i'm sure if we went searching we'd find more than one quote to that effect so uh so chomsky is is questionable is a questionable uh figure did
0: you did you ever think it was this deep after when you saw the – when you first saw 9-11 on the TV, when you saw and you were wondering where the, why aren't there jets being scrambled? Did you ever think it was going to be this deep to where we're talking about it now? Like there's – I mean are you coming across new information all the time or something like that? Like I see that with the JFK stuff. I don't think anybody would have thought it would have lasted 60 years, and then now they're saying they're not going to give us any files in general. But with the 9-11 stuff, that's more recent. Than that JFK stuff—it's more. Well, I would say it's equally as important, but it's just more relative to the times that we're in right now to really get some answers and get some truth before it is too long for anybody to be paying for what I guess the paying the price. I would say I wouldn't say death or anything, but punishment. You need you deserve someone needs to go to jail. Whoever was trying to cover this up and has been on top of covering it up and pitching the official narrative without listening to the other side's perspective.
1: Oh yeah, well Dick Cheney. It was deep.
0: God, man, I'm telling you, I read his autobiography. He gave that shoot down order, apparently, for the plane that was going over the White House, but nobody ever did anything. And it turns out it wasn't hijacked. I was like, they had to shoot another plane down then. What well, if someone didn't hesitate like that guy that ran into the room? That's what he said, though. That's in his book. So take that for what you want.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, Dick Cheney, deeply problematical. And it's kind of wonderful to see his daughter, Liz, uh, coming out for uh truth relatively in democracy and and uh, not buying trump's uh <laughs> trump's triumph if there's another one uh which could well happen i'm afraid but uh i i think that that uh I, this is where history comes in example and i'll be personal again my birthday is november the 5th so this coming November the 5th, I'll be 89 years old. So you, you start, to, start to get some kind of, you know, perspective. And there's uh, a line of thought, which, which I think is, is legitimate, that those of us who are older or elders or whatever you want to call us, have a duty to share whatever wisdom we may have found during our lives up till now and so i i look back then to the gunpowder plot of november the 5th 1605. now we're talking about how long it takes the truth to come out so there was a guy named guy Fox, and sometimes november the 5th is called guy Fox day sometimes it's called gunpowder day and up until 1959 in England, it was against the law not to celebrate Guy Fawkes Day, and the official story of, of Guy Fawkes was that he and a group of about a dozen other Catholics at that time Catholics were sorely prejudiced against in in England. That was the that was the case, and so there was there was a story that Guy Fawkes and some co-conspirators wanted to blow up the parliament buildings. And so it turned out that there was uh, some security guard of the time went down to the basement of the parliament buildings and found 36 barrels of gunpowder, right? And so according to the official story, the palace version, if you will, Guy Fox was going to set the fuses on 36 barrels of gunpowder the next day when Parliament was opening and therefore the King and the Queen would have been killed and Parliament would have been rubble. It was like the 9-11, th- it, was, it was a threat like 9-11 was, that, that caliber, that size. So it turns out and when I was seventy-one years old, I wrote an op-ed page piece because it was the four hundredth anniversary of Guy Fawkes Day. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I I've got it here somewhere. Uh, I, it's a, probably a mistake to. It's probably a mistake to. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to try to find it. Uh, so anyway, it turns out that there was an account written. The very next year, 1606, by a Catholic priest, which questioned the official story of the gunpowder plot, because it was used by a group called the War Party of rich businessmen who met in London regularly and wanted war with Spain because they could make a big profit on it. This, it really, I'm telling you, history repeats itself in these respects. So, anyway, Father Gerard wrote this book, which questioned the official palace version of the gunpowder plot. Well, do you know how long it took until his book was published? 400 years. 249 years. <laughs> you <laughs> overestimate it. <laughs> and, 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 uh, I honestly, I, I, I don't know.
0: it's it's never in a lifetime it's never in three generations lifetime they always wait so long to publish this stuff and when it matters
1: that's right that's right my gosh so anyway i i'd like to quote the last line of his uh of his uh of something that he wrote in his book and now i'm not finding now i'm not finding the uh the file I want to, and I don't want to waste everybody's time kind of frustrating when you can't find what you're looking for. But anyway, that's how long it took for father Gerard's book to come out. And, um, and, and obviously I would say, because it's not only his book, then there's been books by historians since. And, and it turns out that there was no basement of the, of the apartment buildings. There were, There were barrels of gunpowder found, but they were of uh, of a very bad uh, quality. They were moist, and they never would have really blown up. And there were just holes and holes and holes in the official palace version of the gunpowder plot. Now, mind you, there was a one-day trial, and there were 13 of them were hanged like the next day. and. I think some of them were drawn and quartered, as was the custom in those days. So it was all uh, it was all planned by uh, by really the king's uh, main deputy, uh, Lord Cecil, and he had spies out everywhere, and he was a he was a real Dick Cheney type, and and uh, didn't have a heart. He didn't have a heart. So, I'm sorry I'm describing it so badly, Robbie.
0: No, that was, that was good, man. I wanted to ask you about are you optimistic that the truth will come out? I mean, are you hopeful? I mean, and, and also, what else about maybe some things that people can do that would be listening just to maybe educate themselves better I mean like I said the reason I was asking some questions about accounts that are credible and accounts that are not is because when you search up into into 9 11 you come across a lot of information and it's about sorting and trying to find the truth and trying like there's a bunch of stuff like I know there's things about like the dancing Israelis all this type of stuff where it's just it becomes mass confusion at this point you end up getting exhausted and wanted to kind of tune out a little bit so I'm looking Looking for a direction not only for me but also for anybody out there listening that would want to look into it and also are you hopeful that enough people will demand truth to get truth i'm still hopeful about the kennedy stuff
1: well i can't honestly say i'm hopeful you know in in the memoir that i'm writing i'm uh i've already started writing hope versus no hope in ver- in regard to various things including not least global what was called global climate change which i think should be called global burning or global burning and boiling it's really reached a critical point and it's it's going to get worse um so what i would suggest to anybody who retain some interest in 9-11 if there are people whose minds are closed and who just say well you know al-qaeda did it osama bin laden did it and i i I don't want to know anything more that's the facts of the matter but there's no point there's no point in discussing more with a person who says that say thank you for your opinion uh i appreciate it and and just don't have an argument but for those who, who are interested for whatever reason or reasons, maybe they're watching his podcast, then if they read one book uh, about 9-11, just one, uh, they uh, mind you, there are some books that support the official story, so I don't mean those. But I would say that uh, I, wouldn't, I, I don't hesitate in, in recommending my own book Towers of Deception, which, which you've read, Robbie, uh, And another very good book is called The Terror Timeline. Uh,
0: That's the one I got to read next.
1: By Paul Thompson. And uh, one thing that I did as part of my 9 truth activism is I think I mentioned, I don't know if it was before we started recording this conversation or since, but uh, I, I led uh, a six-day inquiry into citizens, It's called Citizens' Inquiry into 9/11, and it was held at the University of Toronto in late May and June of 2004. It was actually the fir- the second of three inquiries. The first one was in what? The first one was in San Francisco. Uh, there, there's the. Uh, cover of, of a dvd CSF sf1 so that was the first citizen inquiry san francisco one and then the second was in toronto uh and the third one was in new york i i attended all three to say the to say the obvious and so if if uh you read any book about 9 by david ray griffin You know, this tremendously prolific and wonderful academic and person and author and researcher and philosopher and professor of religion of of Claremont University in California. Any of his books about 9-11 are worth reading. My book is worth reading, if I do say so. It was a Canadian bestseller. And Paul Thompson's book is worth it and so no need to overload people further try to borrow a book from your library or you can buy them on amazon or whatever if the if the price is good and and any of the basic books written by people striving to find the truth out about 9-11 will cover the territory pretty darn well and and uh So that's what I would recommend. Educate ourselves. Educate ourselves about everything, right? Uneducated people are a danger to themselves and others. And and so we need to try to understand. Understanding is the key word. Try to understand what's going on, what's gone down. And then the other thing is take whatever actions you can. And uh, this is a little late, <laughs> but it, because today is the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, and it would have been a good idea if I, <laughs> to put the onus on myself, had written a letter to the editor of some decent paper and uh, and pointed out that the official narrative of 9-11 is very suspicious and that people should educate themselves about it, maybe put in a little substance there. Uh, But maybe I'll do it next year and anybody can do it. Because anniversaries, there was an American sociologist. His last name was Ray. And uh, he said, anniversaries are reservoirs of sacred power. And you know how anniversaries, the 25th, the 50th, the 100th, uh, there's always publicity, But whatever it was, whether it was an earthquake or an armistice or, or uh, what or uh, an assassination or whatever. And so uh, those of us, I haven't written many letters to the editor lately. I used to have some success with them. But I, I, uh, I stopped having so much success and then I've sort of stopped writing them. And but I encourage because there still is a letters to the editor page or section, in in most newspapers, and the letters are the second best thing, best read part of a paper or a magazine after whatever is leading off that paper or that magazine. So those are the two things I'd say. Read the book. Take some action, even if it's small.
0: Is there a place where people can find your links, Barry? You've given me enough of your time.
1: Uh, well, you know i i had I had a uh, a website but I just let it become cobwebby. So I don't mind receiving emails from people. I don't mind it at all. And my email address is so simple. It's my first name, which is barry b a r r i e. I was named after Sir James Barry, the author of Peter Pan my last name is wicker you'd say in the states z w-i-c-k-e-r okay barry's wicker at gmail.com and that's probably the best fastest way i check my email over and over again every day and uh, as you know i responded to your email
0: Oh, well, barry i appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show and i also appreciate the work that you do for fighting for truth for 9-11 um but you know, there's not enough people speaking out about the truth on certain instances of things, and I'm glad there's someone out there doing that. Uh, I'm going to link your links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.